we're finding a lot of things that are creating a solution for a problem that doesn't necessarily exist. So I, I think the Cosmos tech stack in and of itself is, is a very mature, very mature tech stack, right? But the actual economics of the ecosystem, I believe, are quite immature and, and could use a lot of um, a lot of love, quite frankly. But I think it really is broke. I think a lot of these protocols, in terms of how they they do in inflation, uh, in terms of how governance works, I believe it is quite broken. John, I still think it's a really great platform. I think it's doing a lot of great things. Uh, we've come a long way, but I think there's more to go. And um, I don't think we need to dig our heels into what we have now and think that this is the, the end goal for, for the cosmos. Welcome to the Bare Metal Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Bare Metal Podcast. Today, I've got Max here with me in a dual role as a member of CryptoChem, the validators, and also as a part of the team at Phylabs. Welcome, Max. Hello. I'm happy to be here. Excited to be on the podcast. Uh, I've seen a couple or at least one of the episodes and it's very enjoyable. So hopefully I can provide the same type of context and, and fun, but happy to be here. Thanks. I'm pretty sure this one's going to be great. So let's dig right into it. Uh, first question, this is the Bare Metal Podcast, so I have to ask, you guys are validators, um, what's your setup, hosting, team, can you talk about that? Yeah, yeah. so we're, a, we're um, a team of about four people, four core contributors. Um, one is our professional node operator. Um, that was actually his, his background in his traditional world. He worked on infrastructure um, and security, so this was, this was nothing new to him. Uh, and we utilize him to run all of our nodes. Um, we, we believe that it's important to have a, a professional operator because you are in charge of a lot of people's delegations. And of course, there's always slashing. So that's that's something you have to look out for. Um, but we we unfortunately are not bare metal. We do not own our servers yet. Um, we're hoping to eventually, you know, own our own infrastructure and run our own infrastructure as we build up more runway. But as of now, we, we host it on a few different providers um, and we try to be um, fairly diversified in, in who we host on. And we initially were part of the, the Hessner group and we realized the how concentrated it was and decided to uh, move off of that. So now we're on a few different service providers, depending on the chain. But uh, we think it's important that you know, you're not all on the same you know, data centers where if it goes down, everyone's down. Absolutely. That makes sense. I'm glad to hear you guys are uh, aiming to buy your own service. That's the, the sort of like the gold standard everybody should be going for. You mentioned there are four people on your team, though. So, what do the other, you know, what do the other people do? What are the other functions that the validator needs to um, uh, needs to operate? Yeah. So we have um, myself uh, and two others who, who are basically in charge of the content and really just educating our delegators and providing context to a lot of different things. For example, governance proposals and you know what a chain does if we're if we're planning to validate on one. Um, it's it's interesting because there's a lot of different roles, right, to running a, a node. It's, it's not just about knowing the technical side and how to run the node. It's also about being able to communicate um, with your with your delegators. But then it's also about understanding, you know, what the governance proposals are, are meant to do and, and how they'll impact the network. And that sometimes requires more than just one person. Um, not everyone has that, that wide array of expertise to be able to provide, you know, all that in one. So I think it's important that, you know, if you see a, a node operator who's maybe not technical, but they're still out there, you know, operating a node or they're the face of the node, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think there's different skill sets. Um, and if someone's really good with security and, and infrastructure, that's what they should focus on. Um, and if they're not very good at other things like, you know, understanding how protocols 
um, are affected by certain things like governance proposals, then they, may, they shouldn't be the ones voting on behalf of all the delegators. So to me, it's just, you know, if you have one person who can do it all, that's amazing. And uh, that I, I really am happy for those type of people, but we, we need a team to get it done here at Capital Chemistry and we're, we're happy to do it. Right, that's, um, that's pretty interesting. So, so to summarize or reflect what you just said, you're saying that a, a validator should think of their mission as dual, at, le at least dual in the sense of, number one, I'm providing security to the network, but number two, I'm also a steward of the network. And that's actually a specialist role or like a, a, a work stream for the validator. And you guys have members of the team that focus just on this. Exactly. It's it's like, um, think about like a department in a company, right? You want people who are experts in, in their specific field. Um, so we try to split it out so that it, the people can utilize their skill sets appropriately and, and then therefore provide the best service. So you guys, you said there are four members. That's not the, you know, that's not, I wouldn't call that the large team. I mean, it's, you know, um, it's definitely four members is great uh, to have. Uh, do you guys manage to do any, any sort of public contributions or public, do you, do you provide any public goods for blockchains uh, where you guys validate? Yeah, we do. So we, we provide like a few tools, mainly validator tooling. Um, one of the, the more prominent ones that we provide is the price oracle monitor. So for certain blockchains like Kujira, um, there's a requirement to provide updates on the oracles every so often um, to make sure that we're getting a wide array of different oracle prices and we're not going to have these weird spikes happening, um, you know, on chain. So a lot of times validators uh, don't realize this or they'll start to miss certain, you know, committing certain um, Oracle votes and therefore they, they need some sort of monitor to help them out. And that's what we're really trying to provide is just the basic tooling uh, to make a validator's life easier. Anytime we can remove friction from their, their daily tasks, that that's better for us because they have plenty to, to worry about as is just making sure the infrastructure is running as intended. Um, so the more you can kind of take out of their hands and, and give them the tools to prevent issues from happening, uh, the better. Are you guys users of any, any other software made by somebody else? Uh, yeah, we, we use validator to validator. Yeah, we use some panic, um, stuff like that. And then block pain. I know, uh, we use quite a few of his tools. Um, our node operator is a, a very big fan of block pain and, and enjoys supporting them. So I, I, I think Same I have here. to give him a little shout out here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This guy's doing great work. Um, I want to get uh, sort of more into, you know, Cosmos and, and, and the ecosystem play. But before that, um, you know, let's talk about the other part uh, of, you know, why we're having this episode. And that's that's Phylabs. So, so you know, what's what's Phylabs? Uh, what do they do? Yeah, uh, that's a great question because we're kind of under the radar a little bit. But uh, so Phylabs is the, the development company who's one of the core contributors to Archway Protocol. Um, so we're, we're building out a lot of the core infrastructure uh, that will be utilized to build on top of Archway. Um, so we have a wide array of roles that we do at, at Phylabs. Um, but yeah, overall, we're, we're here to support the, the actual protocol itself, um, kind of be a steward of it, as, as, as you'd expect with uh, many of the other chains. You kind of need someone to maintain um, the overall infrastructure. Um, and then over time, we expect the community and, and other contributors to, to do that and help out. But at the beginning, it's very helpful to have a team that can really focus on some of the, the core functionalities um, and get those built out so that the rest of the uh, public can kind of utilize it. I'm given to understand that Archway is going to be a sovereign blockchain. It's going to be sovereign L1 uh, yep. with its own set of validators, which is 
not necessarily going to be the standard, but we'll be back to, uh, back to that later. Archway um, is going to go this way. So the way I, I understand what you're saying is you guys are um, contributors to um, the actual sort of L1 stack, but then you're also developing some primitives on top so they can be deployed right from the get-go uh, when developers want to hop on and, and build something. Can you talk more about what sort of infrastructure will be available? Exactly. Yeah. So, well, internally, uh, we're building things like a, a dashboard um, and wallet, obviously, so you can collect your arch and create wallets or create addresses. Um, we're also supporting teams who are building things out like uh, DEX. Uh, the main one is Astro Vault. Um, on top of that, I know we've worked with Lydia Labs and they're, they're creating a liquid staking uh, platform as well. But on, outside of those applications, we're building just basic tooling, right? So ways to upload smart contracts and ways to interface um, with the actual blockchain. So we're basically providing you the the, the bare, bare minimum type tools for someone to go on top of that and start building out their own application and really utilizing um, what I think is the cool economics and, and just the functionality of Archway. You mentioned economics. That was going to be my next question. So I, I'm hearing <laughs> or I'm reading on Twitter, uh, you know, some, some very simple basic tweets that are saying, you know, Archway is going to use transaction fees in a certain way to incentivize development of, of protocols. That's pretty interesting. I don't know anybody else doing this in, in Cosmos. So can you explain how that would work? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a few different ways that we're, we're, we're essentially trying to think about in terms of the protocol, how we can reward developers. Um, and, and those are done through a few different ways that I can kind of talk through. And the first one's kind of, um, it's not necessarily what I would say is new. So this one is a, a fee grant. And that's something that is, I believe, already built into the Cosmosm uh, module. It's just not utilized too often. And that essentially allows you to take away some of the, the friction to the user and, and grant them an initial amount of gas um, where the protocol essentially covers it. Um, so think if you're first time entering an ecosystem um, and you want to use an application, but you don't have any of the token, right? You'd have to go find a faucet or have someone send you it, or you have to go to a different ecosystem uh, DEX and, and get that token. Well, we would like to do things where they you start right here and you can go right away and don't have to go to a different eco and do all these different things. So a fee grant kind of allows that, um, basically subsidizes that first gas transaction so you can start your journey right there in that ecosystem. Um, that's one minor thing. It's not really a developer reward. Then there's the fee split. Um, I've seen a few different protocols recently uh, implement something very similar. Essentially, when the gas is used for a transaction, it's going to split it in some fashion, you know, and it can send it in multitude of different directions, whether that's burning it, um, sending it to a community pool, or it could even send it to a direct wallet, right? Um, at Archway, we're, we're thinking we're going to do more of a, a fee split with the developer. So half will be burned, um, and the other half, the gas, will go back to the developer um, of the smart contract that was utilized, for, or that the gas is utilized for. Because um, I think a big, and before I kind of go on a little bit more into what makes, I think, the reward structure um, unique with Archway is that a lot of times applications really in, in the current environment don't have a way to extract value for their work. Um, almost all chains subsidize the validators or I guess incentivize the validators through inflation for security, but don't actually reward the developers. So in order for a developer to somehow extract their value, they have to either create a token or structure some sort of you know equity deal and, and go out and actually get funding. So this is pretty common in the space and that's kind of how we've been operating in the Cosmos for a while. 
But the problem is once these initial fundraising efforts run out, if you're not producing significant fees or value, then the developer's not really getting much out of it. Um, so they're either forced to you know, issue a token so that they can sell it and get a value out or sell the, uh, the actual product itself as an equity type deal like you'd see in traditional business. So Archway kind of wanted to change that whole narrative um, and really provide the developers with a reward for what they've done. And that's kind of how we design these next two features, which we, we call contract premiums. Um, and that's essentially just allows a user to add a specific amount to the minimum gas. And then that allows them to have a actual business model they can develop, right? Um, now you know exactly how much you're gonna get per transaction or at least minimum you're gonna get per transaction. And then you can use that premium as the contract developer to do whatever you want with it. Um, if the user decides to pay it, they that goes back to the developer or to whatever wallet they specify, and that can be used in, in many different ways. Um, and that's really up to them. And then additionally, we just, we decided it's important that, you know, you can have all the security you want on a chain, but if there's no applications and there's no users and there's no, you know, volume, what are you securing, right? There's nothing to secure. So you, so you have to incentivize people to come build. And we think a good way to do that is to split some of the inflation um, and actually give it to the developers. I think validators are very well compensated on most chains um, through inflation. And so to take a small piece of it, in our case, um, we're only gonna take a, a very little piece of the overall inflation, but we're actually gonna give it back to the developers um, based on their contract usage, um, I guess in relation to the overall network. Um, and there'll be caps on that to avoid you know, attack vectors. But overall, if, if your contract's being hit and causing you know 90% of the on-chain uh, volume, you, you probably have a good application. People really utilize your stuff and you should be rewarded for doing so, not just the validators. And this is coming from someone who runs a validator, right? Um, but I do understand that if we're not doing 100% of the work, we shouldn't get 100% of the rewards. Um, so that, I think that's a huge differentiator with, with Archway, the protocol, that people haven't really either, I don't know if they don't understand it or haven't quite um, latched onto the idea yet, but I think a lot of developers will uh, will understand and, and will will have that kind of thought in the back of their head, like, you know, you're right, I have been doing a lot of work for free here, so. Right, and I mean, you know, it makes sense to me even from a position of a validator because if that chain doesn't reach sustainability in the sense of actually serving users and providing them with uh, something they're willing to pay for, then there's not gonna be a chain, right? So if the, right. if the validators should be incentivizing, you know, helping incentivize or distributing part of their rewards to developers to make sure that th that chain actually develops a real ecosystem to which users are going to flock. That sounds Absolutely. pretty, I mean, now that you say it, it's, it's, it sounds pretty, you know, sensible. Um, mm -hmm. I'm wondering if anybody else has tried something like that. Have you guys, <laughs> is, is there any other chain, maybe outside Cosmos that's, that's, been, that's been doing this? I, I know some chains have tried to implement similar type um, mechanisms, but the, they've been very surface level, um, mainly just fee splits, right? No one's really taken it to the next level of, of looking at inflation or, or the idea of a contract premium. And, and I think mainly because it's not a standard thing you can do in the Cosmos or in Cosmosm. So it's something that you'd have to actually build out on your own and create your own modules. And that's something that we've taken on at Labs to do because we believe it is important to have this functionality in the chain. Um, especially because a lot of times you'll see these, these products that are really good products, but they don't really necessarily need a token, but they have a token. 
And the reason they have a token is because, again, that's the only way for the, the developers to extract value out. And I don't mean that in any sort of derogatory way. I, I believe that developers deserve to be um, rewarded. But it's not healthy for necessarily the ecosystem if the only way that someone can extract value is to sell their token, right? Um, it it sure. doesn't necessarily align. It's the old adage, not every project needs a token, right? Exactly. And, and if you can create a, a platform that allows you to build your application without having to worry about your token or worrying about structuring all these different type of equity deals, I think that's going to be a big benefit to a lot of different developers. And you don't even have to create a full-on application, right? It could be a single smart contract. If people are using your contract, that that's going to directly reward you. So, so to a, from a developer standpoint, I, I believe this is a very, very like unique model that just hasn't been tried. Um, but I, I think it has a lot of legs. Absolutely, I love I love hearing that. I think it's a great idea because it takes, in particular, um, at Rockaway Labs, we're also trying to. Um, or we're building out some products, right? And this is a headache. How do you think about yeah. revenue that's in a way that's compatible and allows you to be relevant in the Cosmos ecosystem, um, but uh, also, you know, reach some sort of sustainability? And uh, exactly. what you're saying, if, if, if I wrap my head around it as a developer, I just write out my smart contract and I think about, you know, how would I design the contract premium? Um, you know, what sort of transactions my system needs? And then I, all I do is I think about the volume and what what sort of um, what sort of numbers I can reach there, and I can you know have a some, some, I, can, I can do some planning. I could set this contract premium to a reasonable level. Yes, and you can do forecasting. To... Right? Yeah, you, there's actual <laughs> you, you could do some modeling. Um, and the the, the my, my question would be, uh, I realize like the, you guys have just come up with this tech, so I'm just curious. Is it possible to set the contract premium per transaction or, have, or do I have to fix it inside the, the L1? Because some transactions can be much more valuable to users than others. So I'm just wondering here, if I put my developer hat on, is there a way for me to, uh, to sort of pro project this into the, into the premium? So the premium is going to be added on to the minimum gas. So as gas is dynamic, obviously you're trying to commoditize block space, something that Ethereum has done a great job of. You know, as more people use the protocol, the higher the gas fee comes because there's more demand for that block space. Um, that still applies to the Cosmos. So as you know, more people are trying to use it, it's gonna drive the minimum gas price up, and then it'll always tack on your premium on top of that. So in that sense, um, it kind of adjusts for it internally, or I guess uh, inherently, but to your point, I don't think it'd be, so it's baked into the, the actual smart contract, the actual premium is, but the gas itself would be the dynamic aspect. So to a user, they're just gonna see the one fee and that's gonna be based on minimum gas needed plus premium. Um, so I, I don't know if that completely answers your question, but. No, no, it does, it does. And I sort of, you know, even if somebody went and implemented those, let's say dynamic contract premiums or, or settable or, you know, controllable, it still needs a lot of analysis, right? There could be exploits, you know, in the sense of I just add on a large value and then, you know, rob the user. The user has to be really careful checking their wallet. So there's a lot of ifs around this. But this initial construction yeah. to test it out sounds, you know, it sounds really interesting. Um, that's something that uh, I need to wrap my head around and, and think about this a little bit more. It's just like a different business model for, for devs yeah. where they don't necessarily have to worry about how exactly to monetize. They just need to worry about how to create a good product that people are going to use. And that is, and that, I could not have said it better myself. <laughs> it really does. And that is 
The perfect way. Um, yeah, to I love it. that. So, so Phylabs is onto some inter- really interesting stuff. What is it exactly you do at Phylabs? I mean, what, what what is your job in this, um, in the enterprise? Yeah. So my my official role is strategic business development. Um, it, it's a bit of a hybrid role, uh, mainly in the business development side, where I'm just working directly with with builders, developers, um, applications, trying to help onboard them. Uh, on, into Archway, at least the community, so they can understand you know, what we provide and the be- benefits that it, they could basically utilize um, through Archway. Um, and I also kind of work with them to understand, you know, what's going on in the overall community, and then beyond that, help set the overall strategy for the for the overall protocol. So internally, I work with a lot of a lot of different departments and just discussing the overall ecosystem. You know, what people want. You know, what are they missing in protocols? And, and one thing I think that is kind of missed overall is we're finding a lot of things that are creating a solution for a problem that doesn't necessarily exist. Um, so that's one thing that we've really tried to like take a step back in that first principles approach and say, what is the actual problem? And then build something that'll fix it, right? And I think the developer rewards is one thing. So now my role is to one, strategize internally. How do we get this message out there? Who do we talk to? Who's the most important people um, that need to know this? And then two, what type of people and where are these people that we can bring um, to utilize this and, and really showcase the abilities of, of what Archway could do? Um, so that's that's my main role. But yeah, we're a pretty diverse company. We're, we're built out um, similar to, I think you'd see a traditional company with departments and a lot of areas of focus and expertise with really talented people that were actually incubated out of Tendermint. So as you can imagine, there's just a, a ton of talented people working on, on the protocol, and it's a it's a really exciting time to be part of the team. Absolutely. You've said a lot about um, sort of having internal discussions and explaining things to the to the outside world. Has there been an example of where, you know, you guys have realized that something is missing and you just went and, and built that? I mean, you know, maybe the developer rewards came, idea came from the outside. I don't know. But does it happen in your conversations with, with, with the community that you're going, oh, yeah, I think we'll have to, uh, you know, solve this problem somehow and then uh, bring it in? Yeah, I mean, one, one key one would be governance, right? We've talked a lot um, internally about the governance and how it works currently in the ecosystem. And we'd like to, to fix it. Um, we have some, some really cool ideas um, of how that could work. And we're working with some teams that we're hoping are going to help us get that done. Um, so that's that's one big thing I would say is is one thing we're trying to improve on. And the rewards really came from the idea of um, one of our, one of the leaders at, at Phylabs, Griffin. He he came from a background um, working at Consensus and was part of a lot of the Ethereum um, community coming up during their product launches and, and all of that. So he's very experienced in the space and has has really seen um, a lot of how this space operates. And one thing he really has instilled. Uh, in us is how disenfranchised some of the developers were um, because of these these things we talked about where there's just no way for them to extract value. Um, and therefore, the the people who either created the actual company or, or, or application are the ones who are the ones getting the lucrative rewards. But but what he noticed was that there was a clear disconnect. There's something missing where the developers just aren't included in this in this process as, as much as they should be. And so that was kind of what birthed the idea of, of Arche was how do we change that? Um, and I think the Cosmos just makes the most sense because we believe that the tech stack is is the best that we have available currently. 
But that's really cool that you guys have an Ethereum OG that chose to come to Cosmos, build on the stack, and you know could come here and use all that experience, right, to try and uh, or or push to scale um, something inside inside Cosmos. So before we, that's of course I'm interested in a lot of things about um, uh, a lot of your views on various Cosmos topics. But there's um, one more thing I want to ask: What's the most exciting thing coming out of file apps in the near future? And what can I, what, 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 what should I be looking for? Well, um, obviously, besides the, the overall protocol, which we're we're hoping is going to be ready, and and we're saying, I will say comfortably that I think it'll be, you know end of May or, or April. Um, I think those are our kind of stretch timelines, but we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. Uh, but that would be my most exciting part is just to get the infrastructure out there so people can use it and, and really see um, what they can do with it. Um, other than that, we're doing some some cool things we have in the works in terms of trying to get the community involved, um, trying to get developers attention, um, specifically, I think Area 52. I don't know if you've, you've seen that but it's essentially I've, a, I've clicked through it yeah very nice yeah it, it's really cool it's it's a interactive learning center where you can actually learn to code in Cosmosm, and it'll walk you through the steps it'll you know it walks you through this kind of animated story um based on area 52 it's called so obviously it's a little bit of a you know homage to area 51 so it's alien um themed but it's, yeah it's just a cool fun way to like learn Cosmosm at the basic levels and onboard new developers and then over time, we, we intend to add more lessons, and I imagine they'll increase in difficulty to the point where, you know, you'll start to have more senior developers still coming there to learn different things. And, and we want to host workshops and really just be a, a steward for developers in the Cosmos ecosystem. I mean, obviously, we'd love for them to come build on top of the Archway protocol, but at the end of the day, we just want to empower developers. Um, we care about the ethos of the, of the Cosmos. and. We just want to see it continue to grow and see the the tech stack continue to advance because like i said it's i think it's the best available and it's something that we're happy to contribute to and continue to innovate on you know, absolutely agree the cosmos tech stack is absolutely amazing modular easy to use easy to uh, work with manipulate hack um, it, it's pretty awesome let's take a step back though and think about cosmos as a whole uh, what would be your view um, you know of the entire ecosystem and, and all the sort of verticals or areas, you know, including, say, say governance, funding, uh, public goods. Uh, there have been a lot of discussions uh, recently around this. Can you comment high level on where you see Cosmos uh, and, and how mature these individual, you know, areas are? Yep. And, and you just you just said the, the keyword there, right? So I, I think the Cosmos tech stack in and of itself is, is a very mature, very mature tech stack, right? But the actual economics of the ecosystem, I believe, are quite immature and, and could use a lot of um, a lot of love, quite frankly. I think I think a lot of teams have kind of defaulted to using models they've seen before in the space, uh, which which I do understand if you see something work and it's successful, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Uh, but I, but I think it really is broke. I think a lot of these protocols in terms of how they they do in, inflation uh, in terms of how governance works, I believe it is quite broken. Um, and that's not to discourage anyone, you know, building or, or the Cosmos in general. I still think it's a really great platform. I think it's doing a lot of great things. Uh, we've come a long way, but I think there's more to go. And um, I don't think we need to dig our heels into what we have now and think that this is the the end goal for, for the Cosmos. Um, the whole industry is very, very new in my eyes, and, and it's really starting to catch on more mainstream, but we're still really far away. 
um, we have a lot to do internally, in my opinion, in the Cosmos ecosystem um, to improve, to get to the level where a standard user who has no experience in blockchain could come over and start using an application. Um, or really that just the experience in general for current users, it, I think could be improved. And from a governance standpoint, for example. So overall, just great ecosystem. There's some of the most brilliant developers um, in, in the world here. I mean, what like Confio's done uh, with Ethan Frey and, and building out Cosmosm, what, what Jay Kwan has done building out Tendermint, the consensus algorithm. I mean, there's, there's just so much that's come from this space and this ecosystem. It's, it's really amazing, but uh, there's still more to do. Right. So you, you alluded to Confio um, right now, or you, you mentioned Confio. The, if we look at the economics part, I, I mean, I guess one part is, let's say, revenue models or how to, you know, not emit tokens all the time and just like have reasonable right. ways to reward or incentivize various parties. And bring in the promise of crypto, which was to organize diverse groups of people, right, without necessity yeah. of, of, of force. But Confio is a, seems to be, um, you know, at a bad spot right now. Um, I guess you've seen the messages on, on Twitter that I've been reading uh, around today. What's, what's your take on, you know, public funding in Cosmos in general and in particular on the, the Confio situation? Yeah, I mean, well, they're, they're in a tricky position, right, because they're, they're trying to do, like, basically altruism. They're trying to do the best they can for everybody and, they, and they're not asking for much, but the, the problem is there's a cost. Um, I, I wasn't able to really go in depth into their article, but I, I believe I said that, that their burn rate is about 2 million a year. So they're, they're spending a lot right. on, on infrastructure and, and developers and really just to maintain what we already have. Um, and, and they don't have any way of, of really replenishing it or extracting value because it's, it's a public good, it's free. Um, I think public goods are extremely important, but that means we need to find other ways to to subsidize these types of uh, groups like Confio. Um, I don't know exactly what that is yet. Um, I, I'm very open to helping come up with a solution because I think they're extremely important to the cosmos. I think they're integral to the future of the cosmos, and I would hate to see them um, have to move on or reprioritize because of, of financing. Right. Yeah. What about the governance part? We sort of mentioned mentioned governance, but uh, we haven't really dug into it. So, if you think of Cosmos governance, you know, recent events, let's say last quarter, uh, last half a year, uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, what's your take on the current state of governance? Does it need to be improved? How? What can we do? Yeah. Well, I, I think we all know that the the Cosmos governance can get quite con contentious. Um, people are very passionate. Well, at least on Twitter. The yeah, 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 definitely. And the forums everywhere. But but yeah, people people are very passionate. I love that. But overall, the governance structure in my eyes is is um, it's not reflective, I think, of of what it should be. Um, this is my personal opinion. But I, I think that it's it's more like a pay to play type approach. Right. Voting power is acquired through purchasing a token, um, which requires monetary value. So those with the most money, therefore, have the most power. I, I don't think that's the vision the Cosmos had um, being, you know, their decentralized public good altruism that, that doesn't really align with this, this pay to pay type model for voting. Um, on top of that, you have validators who are really um, the most significant voters, considering most users are not voting on a day to day basis or checking in on the protocol. Um, so I personally would like to see more of a reputation based model, a, an on chain reputation, something that's objective and verifiable that gives more weight to users who are truly engaged in participating in the network and, and probably 
have a better understanding of the network and, and you know, the pros and cons of the decisions that are being made. Um, right now, even down to the discussions, I don't think the discussions of props are, are well um, broadcast. Um, you have to go to a specific forum based on the chain. And even if you get to that forum, it's hard to really parse through all the information and all the discussion. Um, people don't have necessary hours a day to do this. And that's where you count on your, your validators to, to kind of be aligned with you and your ethos so that they can spend that time um, reading through the props and really thinking about how this is going to impact um, not only their delegators, but the overall ecosystem and, and that chain specifically. Um, it's, it's a tall task, and, and I don't think there's one easy solution to fix Cosmos governance. So I'm not I'm not here to say, like, you know, everyone's wrong. I'm right. This is the way I I don't know. But I do feel like a reputation based um, voting system would actually give more power to the people who who deserve to have a say um, more or less than the people who just happen to have a lot more money and thus have a louder voice. Uh, would you uh, say combine or somehow construct a new model that would take into account these these two dimensions one is sort of the the token ownership and the second one would be the reputation or would you is, is are you thinking more of like replacing the the actual system like do you need to still have skin in the game uh you know to to participate in governance other than your time i, I think it should be hybrid to your point i i don't necessarily think that going to one side or the other is the answer i think it's kind of me in the middle of how do we you know, maybe it stays similar where it is now where validators do have a lot of the power and you still can purchase the, the, the voting power, but you get a some sort of, you know, weighted um, aspect to your vote if you're participating in certain things, if you're, you know, responding on forums. Um, and, and a lot of these things are kind of have to go on chain for this to work, right? Because I would I would want it to be very much uh, verifiable and, and, and not something you could somehow um, falsify to increase voting power. It'd have to be something that a task has to be completed or or something of that nature. So it, it, it's definitely something that I'm, I'm interested in, in in talking about with the communities and see what others think. But I, I would think that there's there's a better way. Um, but at the same time, you know, I do appreciate that any token holder has a say in how the protocol um, develops. So I'm certainly not against the way it works. I just think that we could we could do a little better. Bring in personal time focus uh, effort um, into the into into the way I, I like the idea um, I would I would definitely love to um, sort of have a solution or have a way to uh, account for these factors as well no it would be amazing because a lot of important decisions being made we've touched on sort of a little bit about the future of cosmos it seems to me one of the things that seems to be happening is we have a new shared security model every two weeks uh, so by now there's uh, sovereign chains, there's ICS variants thereof, there's mesh, there's alliance, there's dimension, there's sovereign labs, there's saga, all these ways where you can, you know, sort of uh, deploy your, um, let's say app chain, but packaged in various ways or somehow, you know, related to, to existing protocols. What, what do you think is the future for, um, you know, Cosmos uh, blockchains um, for securities. Does the app chain thesis still hold? Does it hold in a you know different way? Is it somehow being twisted uh, and modified? What's your take? You know, I'm a little conflicted on this. Um, I think the app chain thesis still applies in some some senses, uh, but at the same time, I think when you're fragmenting too much with app chains, it can create you know a bad user experience. So you have to kind of consider both sides of that coin. Um, 
And, and in terms of the actual modular stack and breaking it down into to the, the different pieces and, and utilizing the core functionalities of, of a certain protocol that does one thing well, uh, for example, like a Solana, you know, fast execution, you know, maybe you want to use an execution layer and, and Ethereum's got great security. Maybe you want to use their security layer. Um, that's all something that can really be done on, on uh, the Cosmos. And it's something I see a lot of teams are pursuing. Like uh, you mentioned Dimension. Um, I, th I believe they're working on the roll apps and more of the data availability. Um, and same with Celestia, who's also kind of working on that data availability layer. And I think it's really interesting because you're kind of offloading certain tasks um, to to these different layers that, that are very specialized and can do them easily and still getting the core benefits you want out of the actual chain um, at the satellite layer. So overall, it, it, I think the modular approach to the Cosmos is going to be a, a big um, a big piece of the future. I don't know if it, if every chain it'll make sense for, but I do see a modular kind of stack um, with multiple different you know uh, contributors to that stack is going to be in the future. I'm not sure when that will be, uh, obviously, but but no, I'm excited for this and, and I'm interested to see how how it works out. I've I've actually written um, a few threads on this, just kind of talking about modular the modularity of blockchains and, and how they could be utilized. So definitely a topic I'm interested in, but uh, not exactly sure where I lie. So when we're talking about future app chains, what, what are the most exciting projects coming up uh, that you're aware of? What would you pick? So I, I just named two of them, right? Celestia is one. Um, Dimensions, another really cool one. I think those, I really like what they're doing. Those are really interesting applications. Um, I'm obviously going to be... Uh, what about, uh, I know, Archway. Does that sound good? Oh, mm, I've heard of that one. Uh, yes, I would say that I'm very excited about that one. Um, if you couldn't, if you couldn't uh, decipher that from the previous statements I made, uh, very excited. <laughs> um, but but outside of them, I, I think there's, I've seen a lot of new ideas coming uh, coming up. Um, I'm interested to see how they're deployed. One I, I really wanted to see. There's actually two now. That I think about it. One is Namic. Um, I'm interested to see how if they can actually complete that goal and really get it so that you have this way to get Bitcoin on chain in the cosmos um, like they have, or at least they, like they're aiming to do. And then similar to that, another one I've, I've only, you know, looked into very briefly, so I can't speak too much, but it's called Babylon. And they're, they're, what they're trying to do is use Bitcoin to be the security layer for the cosmos. And obviously, you can imagine Bitcoin has incredible security in terms of monetary value, um, what it would take to attack the network, or I guess in, in their case, it'd be a hash power. But either way, the, the amount of infrastructure you'd have to own and, and take over would be, uh, out, let's say, impossible for, for all intents and purposes. Yeah, interesting that you, that you mentioned that. I've, I've spoken to Professor Tse about uh, Babylon Chain earlier. So their, their idea is to use blockchain as a, as a, sorry, Bitcoin as a, a time-stepping server that can enhance liveness properties of uh, yeah. say cosmos chains that would um so this is uh, of course like a very interesting use case i'm wondering who will be the the users if you if they have somebody you know if they already have uh, some projects lined up for whom they could say, say increase uh you know security levels or or, or guarantees that's definitely a very interesting um sort of yeah. heavy security project and and uh theoretical computer science and it's something that both my last question would be huh please continue yeah Oh, I was just going to say, similar with like, you know, what ICS aims to accomplish and, and what I think Archway is also kind of looking to assist with is like that initial deployment of an application or, you know, many times it'll be a layer one is 
you need economic security from the start, right? There's always this attack vector that you could be taken over and your chain is basically forked or halted or someone basically takes control of your network and now they control everything within it. Um, when you first launch a chain, your economic security is pretty low. So one thing I think Archway can provide a lot of teams and, and this goes for, you know, really a lot of these things, chains like what um, Adam's trying to do with ICS is provide that initial security for these for these chains as they're building up that that um, uh, economic security themselves as they're bringing in users and, and creating value um, they can they can count on the security of another chain and, and know that they're going to be safe um, and then once they're ready and they're at that point they can then spin off and kind of create their own layer one where they feel economically secure from the start um, it, it's something not really talked about a lot but it, it with some of the market caps that you look at some of these chains, it, it would not take a large player much to go in and completely take over their chain. And that's, and that's a really dangerous vector. So let's hope all these security solutions uh, are, are mature and ready to help out these fledgling projects so they don't get, uh, you know, hostile takeover uh, or how else should I put it? So that's um, a hopeful end note uh, of um, uh, our, our podcast. So, uh, you know, we've covered a lot of interesting topics. Uh, thanks very much for coming on, Max. It was fun talking to you and you know, hope to see you again soon. Yeah, hey, I appreciate it and I enjoyed it and I'd love to be back on any time. I, I really appreciate you having us on and talking about Phi Labs and, and everything we're building. So excited to show the, the rest of the community what we're working on. It's coming soon.